0: Before me. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Defender behind me. we sí. is refreshing restores my soul restore
1: That we are never alone. Thank you to our praise team, and we pray that you are feeling online what we are witnessing here in the sanctuary. One thing that you cannot confine is you cannot confine the movement of God's Spirit. I want to, if I could, call your attention to Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah 64. And I will read it in its entirety for the time that is ours. Isaiah 64. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It reads like this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood as fire calls water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries that the nations may tremble at your presence when you did awesome things for which we did not look you came down the mountains shook at your presence for since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by ear nor has the eye seen any god beside you who asks for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remember you in your ways, who are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities. Like the wind, have taken us away. There is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us, and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter, and we are the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O oh Lord. Do not remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we all are your people. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem is a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple, where our fathers praise you, is burned up with fire. And all our pleasant things are laid waste. Will you restrain yourself? Because of these things, O Lord, will you hold your peace and afflict us very severely? I want to preach for the time that is mine a cry for help. A cry for help. One of my favorite Christian authors is a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Grief Observed, deals with the situation where his confidence had been shattered, his emotions stretched to the breaking point, and his spirit tattered in such a way that it could have either driven him to madness or to atheism. He states, though, you never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life or death to you. End of quote. C.S. Lewis makes this statement in reference to the suffering and sorrow that had become the markings of his life. But somehow he maintains faith in God and have hope in his spirit despite his nerve-wracking situation. Yet when you realize how much suffering takes place among humans, from the emotional, psychological, physical, financial, relational, mental, and even spiritual perspectives, it can cause you to question the existence of God, the truth of scripture, the meaning of life, and the realization of purpose. It will make you wonder if faith really counts for anything. When you examine the human species, and you think about all that we have gleaned and gained over the arc of history, it's amazing how we're still around. Think about this. In the human species, we think about the country Germany, which gave us Beethoven, Bach, and Martin Luther, the great reformists. That same country also produced Adolf Hitler. The land of Egypt, which gave us pyramids, The earliest expressions of mathematics and spirituality also produced the pharaohs that enslaved our biblical ancestors. Even the United States of America, founded upon the basis of freedom, justice, and equality for all, enumerated in the Bill of Rights and inscribed in our Constitution, is the same country that has produced the most hideous form of slavery in human history, brought about what we know as the Great Civil War, and now we find ourselves engaging in a new sadistic form of separation that this country has ever seen. The Republican Party that produced the prudence, intelligence, and integrity of an Abraham Lincoln is now a party that is dancing to the imbecility and ineptitude of a Donald Trump. The Democratic Party that gave us FDR and JFK is now the same party that is stirred in confusion and chaos. It is interesting to note that as human beings, every one of us has wisdom, creativity, and compassion, yet we are competing with deceit, pride, and selfishness. In the best of us, there's some mess, and in the worst of us, there's a little good. Philip Yancey, in his book, Where is God When It Hurts?, contends that pain is like us. Up close, pain seems like a trustworthy friend because pain warns us that something is wrong. When you feel pain, it is because your nervous system is working well, firing along the synapses of your nervous network, sending signals to your brain, telling you something is out of order. Only God could create something like the human body that warns us we are facing pain. But the problem with pain is how pain does not come to our attention by looking through a microscope, but pain comes to our attention through misery. Misery is the aspect of suffering Created from those traumatic moments in our reality that has nothing to do with pain, but it registers our pain. The problem with pain is more than your nervous system doing its job. The problem with pain is more than the brain registering that something is going wrong in the human element. The problem with pain is more than you experiencing something wrong with the psychological and physical makeup of your body. Because I would contend that there are those who are listening to my voice right now who don't have anything going wrong with your body, but you're in pain. There are those who got great health, but you are in pain. There are those who are in shape physically, but you are in pain. Rejection can cause you pain. Oppression can cause you pain. Feeling unloved can cause you pain. Not reaching your goal can cause you pain. Being verbally abused can cause you pain. And here's the rub, beloved. When you're dealing with suffering, pain, frustration, and trouble, it's something that all of us try to avoid. Though some people will stay free from physical pain, every one of us, sooner or later, will have to deal with some form of suffering that will not go away. It could be that personality flaw. It could be a relationship that has gone sour. It it can be an unhealed childhood memory. It could be molestation. It could be incest. It could be a divorce. It could be a betrayal. It could be bankruptcy. It could be a stint in prison. It could be your marital issues. It could be a child that has gone wild. It could be the pollution of our skies, the desecration of the environment, the social injustices facing our communities, the heartbreak of love gone badly, or some negative mood that has you in a deep state of depression. But the reasons we face the drama and trauma, the maladies and miseries, the isolation and insult of this current reality is because of sin. Sin, S-I-N, has created separation between us and God and between one another. Therefore, you and I have to do a recount and remember all the stuff that caused God not to have blessed us, keep us, love us, or lead us because of the things we have done, the sins we have committed, the idols we have worshipped, the crazy people who have tried to bring us down. Let's be honest. We have to admit that God should not have blessed us the way God has because even in our best moment, we've never measured up to God's standards. That's why the writer of Isaiah says that our righteousness are like filthy rags in his sight. So God is really okay leaving us hanging allowing for us to get caught up in our own sinful devices and crazy drama. But I'm glad to admit that we have a God who will step in and rescue us from our craziness. This is what the writer Isaiah presents to us as he writes in this particular text in Isaiah chapter 64. Let me set up the context of the text to help you appreciate what I've read to you this morning. Israel God's beloved nation has again rebelled against God and God's law. Their spiritual apostasy, or should I say their willingness to leave Jehovah and worship other gods, puts them in jeopardy of being exiled from the land that God had given them. This prophet reminds them that God has been more than faithful and that God has remembered them because God has done it before He redeemed them from Egypt and protected them. And when they sinned, God was forced to treat them as the enemy, prompting them to recall the days of Moses when they had favor, fire, and force of God's divine providence. The prophet wants to see the display of God's divine power show up like he parted the Red Sea. And so this is a prayer For God to step in, intervene, and show himself mighty and strong. But this is combined with sadness over Israel's current spiritual situation. Israel had sinned. Israel had lost her confidence in God. Israel had turned her back on God, and yet the prophet cries for God to deliver them. The prophet is crying for help on behalf of the nation Israel because Israel don't know how to cry to God for themselves. He is crying to God on Israel's behalf because Israel has left God. God was not under any obligation to bless them, protect them, provide for them, love them, heal them, or forgive them. And so the prophet has a heavy burden right now because Israel's heart has become spiritually callous and hardened to the point that they could not even have compassion for the poor or provide protection for the orphans and the widows. I would dare say that when we listen sometimes to these prognosticators from a political perspective, talk about where we've only had a little less than 65,000 folks that have died, that should be okay. Bells and alarms go off in my spirit. For someone to make a statement like that, because for me, that seems like their heart has become hardened and their spirit has become callous to the human predicament. He is saddened by the enemies of God who have desecrated and destroyed the temple. He wants God to come quickly and judge the world, showing his divine sovereignty and omnipotence. Israel deserved what they were getting. Because they had allowed for sin to overtake their lives. But they were hoping that God would not lead them totally. But when they examined the temple and saw the ruins of Jerusalem, the people of God knew that God was highly upset. And I can't blame God. And yet, the prophet cries out for help because he's aware that if God does not provide respite and relief, there's no hope for Israel And she will not have a future. Israel's identity and Israel's future is directly connected to the God of their ancestors whom they have abandoned. Israel broke God's heart. Israel disobeyed God's word. Israel disregarded God's ways. Israel dismissed God's covenant. Israel had forgotten all that God had done. And the unfortunate reality is that some of us act just like Israel. I would dare say that this country has forgotten all that God has done for her. And we have turned our back on the God that has brought us through many dangers, toils, and snares. We do what we want to do because we have no regard for God. And the ways of God. We tend to forget. That God is not only a God of love. But God is also a God of judgment. I know we don't like to talk about God being a God of judgment. But sooner or later. God's righteousness has to be satisfied. We got some church folks. Unfortunately. Who will believe. And attest to the fact. That there is no hell. There are some who philosophically appreciate. Christianity and its lifestyle, but they don't care too much about the God of Christianity and they don't care too much about putting their faith in Jesus. They like this hybrid, syncretized religion. But I want you to know in the text who is crying out for help? It is not the people, it's the prophet, it is not the nation, it's the preacher. And nowadays, we have prophets who are crying out for the help of this city, of this state, of this country, and this world. It ain't the people because they think they can do it without God. It's some preachers and it's some Christians who are crying out for the nation to come and straighten out our mess. God knows we need some help. Right here and now. Look at all the stuff that we're dealing with. And may I, if I could, do a roll call of the mess that we find ourselves facing. Crime-riddled neighborhoods. Declining job markets with over 30 million people losing their jobs. Alternative lifestyles escalating divorce rates, drug-infested communities, addictive personalities, the prison industrial complex, weak churches, politically inept governments, rejected ethnicities, warped religions, strange role models, crazy theologies, powerless preaching, incest, child molestation, black-on-black violence, white-on-white violence, senseless wars, COVID-19, insufficient testing in our neighborhoods of color. And God knows we need help. And I want you to know right now that I stand as a voice crying out in the wilderness of injustice, indifference, intolerance, insensitivity, incompetence, inconsistency, ineptitude, and insanity. What does this cry for help uh, realize in our world that we need and why do we need it right now? I want to suggest a couple of things and then I'll bid you all to do. That first of all, the cry for help is given so we can appreciate the revelation about our God. It's right there in the first five verses. The writer of Isaiah talks about the power of God. When he asked God to do something to show God's sovereignty, might, and strength on behalf of Israel. He wants God to perform miracles by breaking mountains in two. He wants God to reveal the same power, energy, and strength that he did when he brought Israel out of Egypt. He wanted to see Israel's enemies decimated and destroyed. This revelation is focused on the power, might, and sovereignty of God. He needs to see the awesomeness, the almightiness, and the attention of Jehovah. The prophet had memory connected to his desire for revelation. The pharaohs and the Egyptians had learned about the power of God's name in Exodus. The revelation at Sinai, Mount Sinai made the nation Israel tremble in their sandals. But this new revelation was scared the nations that were coming to power. Check out what's happening. Babylon is now on the rise. Nebuchadnezzar is getting ready to come to power. Alexander the Great has not yet emerged. Julius Caesar is yet to be born. But the prophet is looking for God to reveal God's self in a way like God had never done before. However, what I love about God Is our God is the God that does not move the way we want God to move. God is the God of the unexpected. For in so many of the plagues, the ordinary curse of nature had been interrupted. He is the unique God for all the other so-called gods have no power. This COVID-19 is a surprise to us. But it is not a surprise to God. This pandemic has not sneaked up on our God. That's why Paul said, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither hath it entered into the hearts, the men, the things that God has prepared for those who love God. In other words, God will move and reveal God's self on behalf of those who are willing to wait on our God. He is also the God of righteousness, caring about the obedience of his people to his word. But the prophet wants God to reveal God's self. But if God does that, check this out, the people might not survive. And the reason the people might not survive is because when God reveals God's self, God has to reveal God's self in the middle of their sins. And if God reveals God's self in the middle of their sins, then that means that God has to deal with their sins because God and sin does not dwell in the same place. God knows how to reveal God's self. And he wants the revelation in the midst of their sin. And God is saying, listen, you don't want me. To come down right now in the midst of Israel's sin. Because if I come down right now, I might have to wipe them out. Because you must understand that I am the God of love. But I'm also the God of judgment. I am the God who is judged and jury I'm the God who is sanctifier I'm the God that is holy I'm the God that is righteous I'm the God that is merciful I'm the God that is forgiving I'm the God that is kind I am the God of God I am the God that is God I am the I am that I am and I will reveal myself in such a way that you will be able to handle the essence of my coming but if I come the way you want me to come you will not survive because Even your righteousness can't match up to my standards. Ah, let me press my claim. So I move from revelation to reconciliation because this cry is a cry for reconciliation with God. Oh, if you would follow me in verses six through eight, you will see that right now. Given the power of God and given the fact that the people have sinned. Israel had no alternative but to throw herself at the mercy of the court and ask for forgiveness. But this is done in the person of the prophet. Like a good defense attorney, in the final plea to the jury, Isaiah acknowledges God as being sovereign and God... As being omniscient And God as being omnipotent And and God as being omnipresent In relationship to his creation That's in verse 8 But on the same basis He implores God To look and see What has happened to his chosen people His holy city His sacred temple It's right there in verses 11 Having pulled out every emotional And rational stop Isaiah can leave God only with this question. God, will you restrain yourself because of these things, O Lord? Will you hold your peace and afflict us very severely? Isaiah knows his God so well that he knows that he can count on God moving in love and grace. After all, what creator will turn his back totally on his creation? Uh, What father would deny his children? Intercessors such as Isaiah have good reason to believe that God the creator and God the father will answer his prayer for forgiveness. But this is also a plea for being reconciled back to a loving God who always, always, always wants to be in relationship with his people. Israel. Israel. Is the apple of God's eye. Israel was God's chosen people. And as God's chosen people. They continued to break God's heart. They did not realize uh, how much God loved them. Because they kept turning their backs on God. They did not love God as much as God loved them. But God did not leave them. Oh no. God did not leave them. And I want to suggest they left God. And I want to let somebody know God does not leave us. We leave God. And since they left God, uh, they could not access the promises and the benefits of covenant relationship that God had established. When you're not in a good place with our God, there are some things uh, you can't even claim anymore there's some blessings you should not expect anymore. I ain't talking about sin and missing the mark, but I'm dealing with spiritual abandonment where you have turned your back on the God of justice, but then Have the bold audacity to expect for God to bless you, expect for God to keep you, expect for God to love you, expect for God to lift you, even though you're the one that has abandoned God. But the God I serve is always open for reconciliation and restoration. God is always looking for us to come back and be in relationship with him. However, it ain't God the one that has to make the move. You have to make the move to come back to your very first love. Let me, let me, let me, let me get out of here. One more thing Uh, I want to drop on you and then I'm done. Finally, this cry... Is an affirmation of recreation. (laughs) Uh, 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 This cry is an affirmation of of, of recreation. It's right there in verses 8 through 11. Watch this. Follow the flow. We see, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. A prophet by the name of Jeremiah lifts up this metaphor. Paul. Lift up this metaphor about the potter and the clay and it is presented within the context of the sovereignty of God in the realm of sin and judgment follow the flow the people have turned their backs on God but now Isaiah is throwing himself at the mercy of God calling on God Not to remember their sins anymore, but to stand as uh, their God. The prophet is asking God to intervene and bring to God's people forgiveness and salvation that has been promised in this book over and over again, especially when you look at chapter 40. However, in order for that to happen, God has to do a recreation uh, in our lives. In other words God. Is the one that has to become. The potter. And you and I have to become the clay. And we are placed on the spinning wheel. Of time. And Jeremiah reminds us that just. As the clay is marred. In the hands of the potter. So you are. Marred or messed up. In the hands of our God. I want you to understand that. That you and I are not part of the original tribe of Israel, but God has decided to include us in the redemptive story of humanity. This means that those of us who have been counted out, God has grafted us in. And says God has included us in the salvation story, God knows that he wants us to have a supporting role in his divine drama. This change takes place because God has rewritten our script when we say yes to God. Y'all got to excuse me, but I feel my Mississippi slipping out. Uh, And whenever God places his hands on us, I want you to know that you and I cannot remain the same. Not only does God have creative power. When he flung the stars against the black canvas of the universe. Not only does God have created power, when he arrayed the moon in her silver nocturnal paraphernalia and robed the sun in his golden robe. But I want you to know, yeah, that God has recreated power. Jeremiah said that the vessel is marred in the potter's hand. And sometimes the vessel don't do what it's supposed to do. But I'm glad we have a potter that knows how to take messed up clay and take what's messed up in the clay, take it out of the clay and straighten us out. I'm glad to know that when I'm spoiled and broken, that God ain't through with me yet. I wonder do I have anybody that's watching me live stream That's ever been marred, messed up from the flow up But you have to give God praise That God did not kick you to the curb That God did not throw you into the junk pile of life But God took you and began a remodeling process That God took you and began a recycling process I'm glad, yeah That God is the potter in my life And I'm glad that the potter has power over me I just wonder do I have anybody That know that he has power over your life Power over your feet Power over your hands Power over your eyes Power over your tongue Power over your head Power over your heart Power over your home Power over your business Power over your spirit Power over your job Power over your church power over your being. I'm glad. Yes, sir, that he has power in his hand. Can I say what I really want to say? He's got the whole wide world in his hand. No matter what happens in this life, you and I are in the hands of a sovereign God. You're in his hands right Or wrong You're in his hands Rich or poor You're in his hands Good or bad You're in his hands Employed or laid off You're in his hands PhD or no D You're in his hands Used and confused You're in his hands Forsaken and forgotten You're in his hands Talked about and scorned You're in his hands Mistreated and defeated You're in his hands Uh, Love or hate it Uh, You're in his hands Uh, Name scandalized, You're in his hands Uh, Folks lying on you You're in his hands Uh, Misunderstood Uh, I'd rather be uh, In the hands of God uh, Than anybody else's hands Uh, Human hands are weak Uh, Human hands are feeble Uh, Human hands are tired Uh, Human hands are inadequate Uh, Human hands are insufficient Uh, But I'm glad Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad that God's hands are tested, tried, true, tender, strong, sovereign, and sufficient. I'm glad that God's hands are considerate, divine, efficient, effective, everlasting, and and holy, I'm glad that God's hands are, are righteous, uh, caring, uh, and compassionate. There's something uh, special about the hands of our God. When I'm sick, I may be in the care of a doctor, but I want to be in the hands of God because there's healing in his hands. When you need Consolation. Uh, you may be with uh, family and friends uh, from a social distance, uh, but I want to be uh, in the hands of God uh, because God will uh, pick you up uh, when you are down, uh, when you are confused uh, and need a peace of mind. Uh, Somebody may recommend a therapist, but you can't go and see the therapist because of social distance. But I want to be, yes, sir, in the hands of God, because God's hands have peace and tranquility. Can I tell you what's special about the hands of God? Because God's got a left hand, and God's got a right hand and his left hand is Genesis In his right hand is revelation. In his left hand is the first. In his right hand is the last. In his left hand is Alpha. In his right hand is Omega. In his left hand is yesterday. In his right hand is tomorrow. In his left hand is Day. In his right hand is night. In his left hand is time. In his right hand is eternity. In his left hand is justice. In his right hand is righteousness. In his left hand is grace. In his right hand is mercy. In his left hand is peace. In his right hand is tranquility. In his left hand is love. In his right hand is joy. Guide me. Oh thy great Jehovah. Pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak. I am weak. I am weak. But thou art mighty. Hold me. Hold me. Hold me, hold me, hold me With that powerful hand Can I tell y'all how god responded to this prayer it was isaiah that made the comment they that wait upon the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up all oh shucks with wings like an eagle they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint If you just wait, I'm gonna send somebody that's greater than David. I'm gonna send somebody that's stronger than Nebuchadnezzar. I'm gonna send somebody smarter than Solomon. I'm gonna send somebody more beautiful than Esther. I'm gonna send somebody more powerful than Alexander. I'm gonna send somebody more sovereign than Caesar. I'm gonna send somebody a whole lot better than Trump. MAKANO the <laughs> and Pelosi I'm going to send someone who can deal with oppression take the sting out of death overcome the grave I'm going to send my son named Jesus and he shall give himself and make us right I don't know about anybody else but I can say like the psalmist said I will lift my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help
0: my help my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and
1: the earth somebody give him praise somebody give him glory somebody shout amen is he worthy is he worthy is he worthy say yes
0: say yes say yes
1: God is ready God is ready God is ready God is ready (laughs) to answer this cry he's ready to answer this cry for help he's ready to answer this cry for help I don't know who you are I don't know where you are right now but I want you to know that God stands ready for reconciliation we're messed up but i'd rather be messed up in god's hands than to be messed up in other folks hands because see if i'm in other folks hands they'll kick me to the curb but in god's hands he knows how to take out the bits of rocks and stone and glass and metal and get me just where he wants me to be And I would dare say he can do the same for you right now. I want to have a short prayer. If you're watching us online. I want to have a short prayer because I want you to know that you don't have to be in a church building to have a relationship with God through Christ. And in fact, you don't even have to be in a church building to have a relationship or connection with St. Paul. I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of new life, a prayer of a brand new start, a prayer of forgiveness. And as I lead you in this prayer, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And this prayer makes a connection with you. And you want relationship with God by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you some instructions on what to do to make that known, to make that confession. All heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you would repeat this prayer after me. God, I'm crying out for help because I want a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. Forgive me of all my sins. And help me be the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open up your eyes right now. If that prayer was meant for you, you want a relationship with God by having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You meant that. You're sincere about that in your head and your heart. Salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yeah. Yeah. You ain't saved by your works. You're saved by your faith. You're saved by your faith. You're saved by your faith. If you're watching us on YouTube, And you want to become a candidate for baptism, just email connect at spbcnc.org. If you're watching us on Facebook, type Salvation. One of our digital ministers will send you a private message to share with you next steps. You're watching us on the website, click on the Salvation button in the chat window. And if you're listening to us through telephone, email connect at spbcnc.org. The same for Christian experience. The same for Christian experience. If you want to join us through Christian Experience, uh, you can do connect at spbcnc.org or on Facebook, type connect. Somebody will get with you. If you want to join us through Watch Care on YouTube and Facebook, just type in Watch Care. Somebody will get next to you. Or if you're listening to us on phone, either send an email to connect, C O N E C T at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704 334 five three zero nine if you call the church office right now i guarantee that within 24 hours before noon tomorrow somebody will call you back find out what your concern is and let you know what the next steps are you can become a part of our church family just like that just like that you can become a part of the family of god just like that is really that easy yeah it is it is we're not gonna make this complicated and we'll let you know what next steps will be. Well, want to thank you for joining us. We ask that you all will continue to pray for us and the work that we're doing as we continue to minister and maintain connection here at St. Paul, as well as with our community and serve our community during this time of pandemic. And so as we get ready to close out, I'm going to close us out with a word of prayer and a benediction. And we pray you will have a strong, blessed week. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for answering our cry to help and as we get ready to leave from this place but never from your presence keep us in your sovereign care we thank you O oh god for song, scripture prayers meditation and word and now god empower us to do that which we are heard and which we have experienced so we can become a bright light in a dark and dismal world dismiss us from this place but never from your presence and now to him was able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. Telling wise God be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God continue to allow his light to shine upon you. I love you. I miss you all. And, your heart. and I thank God for the rock today. I thank God for his presence. I thank God for his power. I thank God for his... Don't
0: believe, I don't believe that he brought me this far to lead me. You ought to tell somebody...